podcast is brought to you by the good people over at Gamefly. With over 9,000 titles for the PS4, PS3, Xbox One, Xbox 360, Nintendo Switch, Wii, and other consoles, there's no better time for gamers to make the most of their systems by using Gamefly to play all the new and classic games for as little as 32 cents a day. To start your 30-day free trial, head on over to cinemageekly.com slash Gamefly or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. episode of I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, Cinema Geekly's Star Trek podcast. It's the Chief Petty Officer, Anthony Lewis, along with the Fleet Admiral, Ben Knight. Ben, I am amazed that you have maintained your Fleet Admiralship uh, after mm. the uh, the incident with the Orion Go-Go Dancer from last time. Yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah happy, was, I'm happy you've not been st- busted down to Captain. <laughs> it, was, it was a sticky moment, it was. <laughs> well, that's gross. Let's talk about... Star Trek. We're here to talk about Star Trek Discovery Season 3. Um, you know what, Ben, before we talk about that, do you want to um, have a small chat about Star Trek Lower Decks? Uh, yeah. Before we do that, did you get to watch all of the episodes? I did. I okay, did. same same here. Uh, I'm, I'm curious as to your, your thoughts. Um, it, it wasn't what I'd expected in mm-hmm. the sense. I'm glad they went with the animation style they went with first of all, because I know we discussed that previously, and there were other options on the table, um, particularly the kind of Japanese style stuff, which I, I just think was just not a match for. Um, I agree for anything Star Trekky. So I, I quite like the the animation style. A, a lot of people are saying it's a bit. Um, sort of family guy american dad or whatever and i'm I'm comfortable with that i mm-hmm. I think it it allows the storytelling to become the focus rather than the animation which i think is good yep um in terms of characters um i mean it delivered on what it promised in the sense that we're seeing the um the, the less polished end of starfleet i suppose <laughs> and, yes you know and i'm i'm, I'm here for that uh, in terms of the individual episodes, I found them a little hit and miss. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, the, the again, do you know? I mean, it's going to be a theme, I think, of this of this podcast. It, it's um, it's a what's the word? It's um, it's a good setup. It's a good uh, you know they, they've told us the parameters in which they're going to do some storytelling now. And yes, um, Beckett Mariner is I. I could watch her character all day long. I think she's uh, awesome. Yep. Uh, uh, Boimler is, um, he's basically Fry from yes! Drama, uh, which I'm again pretty much here for that. Yep. Um, I think there were a couple of odd surprises in the form of our doctor, for example. Oh, um, yes. The cat species uh, that I can't even remember the name of. Yes. Yeah. Um, she's a Cation. Cation, that's um, right. Yeah, and you know, she's she's described in it as being a good doctor, but an unpleasant cat. Um, <laughs> and I, yes. I think that's pre- I think that's pretty accurate. Yep. Um, and it's you know, it's a reference all the way back to um, Star Trek: The Animated Series. I mean, we could dive forever on the the, the callbacks in in this oh. because they are endless. But um, I, I I I like a lot of what we're seeing here um i quite like jack ransom i think he's funny mm-hmm. um I, I i expected it after a couple of episodes i thought oh, this this could get a little bit irritating but um 
it's interesting that they are sticking to law fairly heavily mm-hmm. but they're also when they make a departure from it they do so in a very bold way possibly with a bit of explanation they've explained some of the great missing um elements of you know previous plot holes across yes. all the franchises um there's, there's a lot to enjoy here and um having jonathan frakes and uh marina Sirtis, uh, oh my god pop up here, and john Del- delancey of course yes um pop up is you know it's i think now it's become mandatory that season finales must always feature jonathan frakes and uh (laughs) and i'm i'm pretty okay with that too so yeah i mean across the across the board it's it's a good show and now they've done the setup i want them to to get on with episodic um star trekking Mm -hmm. and we've already seen that that's clearly their intention um I am beginning almost slightly against myself actually to uh, contemplate the um how they're going to deal with the relationship between uh Mariner and Captain Freeman mm-hmm. and um I I don't know I I think there's there's a lot going on here as you might say. Yeah. Um surprisingly I, more than I thought. Yeah. What what about you? Uh so I uh, famously exclude Star Trek the animated series from my own personal Star Trek canon. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't own it. I've seen it before a couple of times, uh, but I don't own it. And when I do my quasi annual uh, immersion into Star Trek, I don't watch the animated series. And I don't know if I'm going to do the same thing with Lower Decks either, but yeah. I adore the show though. Uh, I love that the our four main characters that we get are essentially Star Trek nerds. They are like us and they constantly reference Star Trek stuff all the time. Like from every show, things get referenced at at a ridiculous rate. And I find myself constantly chuckling. Like there are like, I'm laughing at stuff that I know, like, you know, there's only like a few hundred people that are going to get that joke <laughs> that I got. And for for others, they like my kids will watch it and they have watched it. And I think it's actually really good, too. But there's like a billion references in there that I feel like they've ch- like they, they've just tossed them in for me. Um, I, I really like the character. I was not expecting the character dynamic of of Beckett Mariner, like her mother being the captain of the ship she's on. And her father is also uh, an admiral in Starfleet. And there, there was a good arc there as well. Yes. Um, for those who haven't watched the end of the, the of that season, it's, um, it, it's weird, isn't it? Because a lot of this show feels a little bit throwaway and, and mm-hmm. you could easily consign it to the, the animated series sort of category, much like I'm sure the Nickelodeon show, even though it's got Janeway in it, um, I'm Which is awesome trying. news, by the way. But yes, it, it, it is. But I, I can, I obviously will watch it. But I'm, I'm probably not going to ever revisit it after I watched it. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, the the dynamic between Freeman and Mariner is, um, it is almost quite beautiful. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like the comic relief in it. Though. I mean, but I think ultimately my favorite character, I think, in the show is going to turn out to be um, Ensign Rutherford. Uh, uh, yeah, Sam Rutherford, who I, I just love. He's like a really messed up version of Geordie and <laughs> yes. that's kind of you know um, and that's that's clearly what the creators were going for I think yeah. um, McMahon described him as as being similar to Geordie and you know in that they were both I think his quote is amazing at engineering stuff uh, <laughs> but he's, he's like a sort of nascent Geordie because yeah. he still doesn't really know his shit but yeah, I mean, there's lots of silly in it. I, I think the only thing that slightly puzzled me about it is what its what its demo is because yeah. it's it's too languagey to be a kids show. Um, mm-hmm. It's too particularly in the US, I would guess, uh, and it's um, it, it's also like a bit too silly to be full on Star Trek canon, sort of as you say, like in in the rewatch list. So, yes, but so I'm much of the little... jokes are for people who have watched all of Star Trek. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it cool enough to get the age demo it's after? Because I'm guessing it's after, sort of, it's after your mid-teens, isn't it? That's that's sort of where they're targeting I would, it. I would wager yes, because like I watched the first episode, and my first thought was, my oldest will love this show. Okay, and uh, just because of like the style, the animation style, the the snappiness of the dialogue and the quick pace and the rapid fire jokes, uh, mm. and even 
like, even though she won't get the references, she knows that they're making like a million references a second. Uh, like, I know that that sort of thing sort of fits into her wheelhouse. Uh, and she did like what she saw, but I think it'll be hard to, um, especially in the United States because of the platform that it is on. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how geared to the 18 to 49 demo or you know, not even the 1849, the, you know, your 18 to 20, whatever it is, demo. That I'm sure yeah. 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 And that's it. Yeah. I think that's what it is here as well. I don't know how many of those people are buying CBS all access uh, yeah. to, to, to watch that. But uh, ironically, it will probably do better outside of North America because of its existence on Netflix yep. um, everywhere else in the world. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, but a thumbs up for me. Like, look, uh, they put John Delancey as Q in there. Uh, they put Riker and Troy on the bridge of the Titan at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know I giggled with joy when they did that. And and then, of course, they play up full tilt Riker, like way worse than he was ever portrayed <laughs> on, on Next Gen. Because uh, they can do that in the animated show. But like him and Mariner having like a previous relationship, like this is where I get all of my best stuff from is from Riker. But that's, but that's the thing, isn't it? It's the creative freedom yes. of the animation. So and I guess that's, you know, that's kind of why you can have Janeway back in the Nickelodeon show as well mm-hmm. is that you know, irrespective of what Kate Mulgrew may look like now or, or how everyone ages as they're doing this, they can, in theory, you know, much like Colin Baker is still the doctor in audio format, mm-hmm. um, they can do this for as long as they all feel happy doing it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think that's... It's going to be fun. There's a degree of glee with the show that yes. um, I think the franchise needs, especially when everything else in Star Trek is pulling towards the darker end, um, seeing this kind of n- nerdy joy... Um, you know, it's it's a bit like watching uh, the Orville, isn't it? You know, it, it's oh, sort yeah. of it, it's manifestly enjoyable, even though it's probably not that rewatchable. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, I have rewatched the Orville, uh, but that's just because I was track starved. So fair, you'll have fair. to forgive me. Um, okay, so here's what we're ta- here's what we're really here to talk about, even though we've already been talking for ten minutes already. Um, yeah. Star Trek Discovery, Ben, season three. Episode one is called The Hope That Hope Is You, part one. (laughs) Now, try not to get too confused because episode two is not called That Hope Is You, part two. We don't know what happened to part two. It may have disappeared into the ether. Or uh, maybe episode two, uh, Far From Home, is Far From Home, colon, That Hope Is You, part two. And it just wasn't put in the notes here. (laughs) Um. Okay, so let's talk about That Hope Is You, part one. Michael Burnham arrives in the year 3188, where she meets Cleveland Booker, a man with cargo. That doesn't sound that mysterious, but the way it's written here sounds very mysterious, Ben. Mm -hmm. And uh, helps him deliver it. Booker tells Burnham about the burn, during which most of the galaxy's dilithium mysteriously exploded and very little of the Federation remains afterward. The two go to an old Federation space station where they find a man named Sahil, a Federation liaison, sitting at his desk. Burnham gives him a commission to serve as an acting communications chief, and they raise the flag of the Federation. And that is really kind of it for that first episode, Ben. Yeah. What did you make of it? Um, how, how gorgeous was the best guest star of the show, though? Iceland. Um, <laughs> it was really pretty. Yeah, I've I've been to Iceland, but I've I've been in the middle of winter, and it's um, it's it's beautiful, but in a very bleak way. This was <laughs> uh, I thought it was it was rather nicer, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. So this first episode, there was well, I guess the concern of all Trek fans everywhere was, oh god, what are they going to if we suddenly bounce into the future and we encounter by pure coincidence a um you know, effectively the same storylines, but somewhere else. So, you know, it would bounce into a Klingon conflict or, yes. uh, or whatever. That's going to be a Romulans are back at it again. Yeah. Yeah. Then that's going to be a bit painful. Um, uh, likewise, I, the other concern I had was about pacing and this, like, an observation that, that spans across these first two episodes. Mm-hmm. My, my first thought at the end of this episode is okay, really promising start. I like the potential here of, um, you know the self-assured Starfleet officer who is well and truly out of her comfort zone. We know that the 
the, the very foundation of the federation and in fact of all warp civilizations is no more or is in very short supply yeah um and so you know well you know as, as burnham says starfleet is more than a bunch of ships and dilithium mm-hmm. turns out mm, is it mm-hmm. um yeah but but then of course uh, we meet the uh, the um, oh, what do they call them? The true, true, true hopers? Is it or something? Something like um, that. Yeah, I, I keep forgetting. Um, and we discover that uh, there is still a, an outpost, and that there's sort of fractured bits of Starfleet left around the universe. And so, yes, you know, that, that's all a, a nice, solid setup. It didn't drag too long. I was really dreading the idea that we'd have sort of long, drawn out sections of um, of explanation. And of course, the show if it ties itself to an explanation of everything way too early, then you know, it's, it's already boxing itself into a corner. And I just love the fact that they didn't. I love the fact that mm-hmm. um, their decision creatively was to say, oh, here's a couple of things you need to know, um, like the burn and so on, yep. but we're not telling you anything else. We'll give you a little bit of information about the tech that's improved, so you'll know about... Um, the personal transporters. Uh, personal transporters, absolutely. And obviously in the next episode, we encounter... Um, programmable matter and things like that so that's that's all fun um i I like the episode it 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 felt like a nice clean slate without shitting on the the canon too heavily and yeah i'm i i felt happy at the end of it but slightly apprehensive about whether we were going to have weeks and weeks of her searching for discovery and discovery searching for her Mm -hmm. um which i would I'd have just found that frustrating. If you put yourself in an entirely new environment and wipe the slate clean and change everything you know about the universe you're in, the very last thing you want to do is then spend an entire season saying, oh, but where are the people who know each other? Why can't they find each other? Mm -hmm. So very pleased that that's not ultimately where we went. Yeah. Um, So I don't know where, um, I guess where I stand on this, I I don't know, kind of where you were. A little bit uh, is happy, happily apprehensive. Is that a good phrase? Yeah, I okay. So, uh, I was very happily apprehensive at the end of this episode as well. Uh, it uh, is now. My big concern with this show has always really sort of been the, um, I guess the design. Like, I know there's a lot of people who are like, "Look, uh, you can't be mad that they updated the design of, you know, the original series era." stuff to look more, you know, what we think would look futuristic now. Um, and I, I can see the side of that argument when people were making it when Discovery, that show first launched in its first season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now because of all the, uh, w- whatever it is, all the, like the muddling around when it comes to deciding the direction of the show, they've decided mm-hmm. to move the show into the far future. And I mean, we've only seen Cleveland Booker's ship, but outside of the different tactile uh, functionality of the, uh, you know, of like the panels and stuff where it looks like it's that, whatever that is, that shit you can control with your hands, whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. It's not, it's not touch screens or whatever. I mean, outside of some ah, of that well, stuff. Well, hang on. Mm-hmm. That isn't without base in, um, in Star Trek, of course, because of that interface that Book's using mm-hmm. um, is identical to the one that's used in Star Trek Online. Yes. Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it's, it, it, they've pulled it directly from the game, which is good because it means they've kept to the promise of not shitting on that as sort of a notional part of the lore as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but outside of that, it didn't look any more advanced than Discovery does. And Discovery is supposed to be a very, very ancient ship technology-wise by comparison. Mm-hmm. And Discovery still looks very advanced. Uh, like, the stuff that we saw in this episode did not look sufficiently more advanced considering how far flung into the future that they were. Now, maybe well, we got will see oak, more he's things. Got oak, he's got oak paneling on his bridge. I mean, that's, that's pretty <laughs> I old mean, school. Hey, what, what's old is new, that's for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure that still... Uh, I'm sure that still maintains in the year 3188, but... Uh, you know, so I'm I'm sure uh, maybe bell bottoms have come back into style as well, perhaps by then. But <laughs> uh, you never know; uh, it's entirely possible. But yeah, I that's one of those things where I'm just like, I I'm not I'm not sure. Like I know now they'll have a good excuse to be able to use the spur drive. 
Uh, yep. They'll be able to use that as often as they want to. I'm sure there's some sort of... Uh, in fact, I think we've seen hints of it in the uh, this season on Discovery. I think we saw hints of there's going to be some sort of device that will allow uh, Stamets to pilot the ship in this manner without harm to himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure that's what's going to continue. I'm sure that'll be part of it. But other than that, I'm just like, eh, I, I don't know. And some of it is I was expecting a world to feel very different from the one that they left. But honestly, this doesn't feel very much different at all from the first two seasons of Discovery. And this is one of those things where I felt like maybe there'd be some sort of huge shift. And I'm not really sure in what manner it would present itself, but I wasn't feeling it. Like this felt like you could have replaced 3188 with any of the years that the first two seasons of Discovery took place in, and it would have felt identical, really. But I suppose the the things that have changed, I mean, if you have a sort of apocalyptic event, which, you know, in the Star Trek universe, the idea, I mean, the burn clearly is. Yes. Um, it causes a shift in power. So you see there the rise of the Orions, for example, mm-hmm. um, and the Andorians, interestingly. Yes. And um, the the idea that that would bring about um, a sort of societal change, I'm surprised the Ferengi aren't in there with the... Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I know. mean, we saw a Morn. Well, we didn't see Morn, but we saw one of his species. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way... For a show that has loved to toy with the look of the aliens and stuff, it exactly. It's just they use the Morn costume from Deep Space Nine. Like well, there was, constant, you know, <laughs> there was no change whatsoever. I saw it. I I saw it and immediately shouted out Morn, because uh, you know yeah, best think, character in Deep Space Nine, clearly. But but that's but that's the thing, isn't it? Is you've got to have if you're jumping that far into the future, you've still got to have. Um, you've still got to have some touchstones for the viewers because otherwise mm-hmm. people's observation that this show is not very track yeah. um, are really validated because it's like, well, you've just got a bunch of people in Star Trek uniforms, you know, masquerading around in this completely different science fiction universe. Yes. Um, so the idea that they're, they're not being too heavy handed, there's an explanation for why they've been set back centuries. Mm-hmm. Um, we see that we understand it. Uh, or we we will come to understand it. Um, I I don't object to the fact that not much seems to have changed, and it's a little bit post-apocalyptic. Basically, the idea is that um, the universe became a bigger place mm-hmm. when um, the means to get around it became controlled by a very small number of people. Yes, um, and I guess that doesn't seem unrealistic to me. Mm-hmm. No, I mean and. Uh, there are definitely things I enjoyed about this episode. Uh, I love that we're starting from a point of a very fractured Starfleet. Um, I, I think that obviously gives like the larger arc to the season is um, trying to bring that back to prominence. Figured out what figuring out the you know the burn. I'm sure that'll be the you know the climax to the season or whatever is discovering the the cause of this and. Uh, I think the thing I like the most, actually, the thing I was sort of like, aw, about is this, uh, this Sahil guy. Uh, not what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say grudge. (laughs) No. Um, no, I like, uh, I don't know. There's just something about this guy. He's not even a commissioned Starfleet officer and he's Mm -hmm. essentially just keeping vigil for Starfleet, like someday they're going to come back and he's got his like really kooky alarm clock thingies, which by the way, all seems lovely by the way that his bed just disappears. And then his, I I think this is the programmable matter thing, which is pretty cool. Especially seeing as this is the first science fiction show Mm -hmm. for the post-production effects to have been done entirely by remote working. Yes. Yep. And they look great. Yeah, they really do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if anything, this is going to be like uh, a kick in the butt for all those people that are like, no, you must work in like cubicles uh, mm-hmm. in a big studio. Like, no, they did all of the visual effects for this. People separated at their homes. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they were all on, you know, VPNs and stuff and uh, mm-hmm. were sharing servers and all of that other stuff. But they were able to do that. And it looks so good. 
Yeah. Uh, this show continues to look great. So this is never a problem with uh, how the show looks because it continues to look fantastic. Um, but yeah, there wasn't like a ton. Uh, this Booker guy. Uh, yeah, he's all right, I guess. He's no, he's, you know, he's, he's not Danny Pink. So that's a win. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know if this is supposed to be the, the teased Michael Burnham love interest. I hope not, but you never I know. I think that's almost certain. Yeah. Uh, we did get a theme of people being high, uh, on mm. drugs in this episode and in the next, um, mm. with, uh, quite frankly, uh, one, one was, one was okay. I like Michael Burnham's performance, but, uh, we'll talk about, uh, the, my favorite thing in, uh, perhaps all of Star Trek Discovery in the next episode. Uh, when we get to it, um, that being Tignataro. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I like the first episode. Like I said, it left me uh, happy, but uh, a little unsure about what we were going to get next. Um, any final thoughts on that first episode, Ben? And what would you give it? Uh, I I'm sorry, I've said everything I can say about it. Mm. Uh, what would I give it? Um, I'd give it a three and a half. Okay, great. That is totally where I was like, oh, please don't say four, because I don't think I liked it that much. Um, and I felt we were on the same page. So yeah, I, I went three and a half as well. Uh, I liked it. I'm optimistic, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah. We'll see right now, actually, Ben, because we're going to talk about episode two, uh, because we, we didn't record last week. Uh, so Star Trek Discovery season three, episode two, Far From Home, colon, That Hope Is You, part two. I'm just tacking that on there. Uh, okay, so the USS Discovery, we, have, we are finally catching up with them, crashes in an unknown time and is injured. Uh, oh, and an injured uh, Kayla Detmer is ushered to sickbay as her implant is damaged. Saru determines the best course for action, and it is to fix the extremely damaged ship before exploring the outside world. Meanwhile, Stamets, who was put in a medically induced coma by Hugh at the end of the last season, awakens and is uh, nursed back to health by the aforementioned Hugh Culber. Uh, Saru and Tilly venture out and find a group of aliens who are... Well, the reason they do this is because there's a thing that needs fixing and they can't fix it. So they're going to go looking outside of the ship. And There's uh, a convenient plot device that needs fixing. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's a thing we can't fix, but it might be fixable if you go outside. And they're like, all right. So Saru and Tilly happens all the time. Uh, they venture out and find a group of aliens who are uh, oppressed by a, na- a man named Zara. When Zara threatens to steal their supplies and kill Tilly, Philippa shows up. Uh, she followed them, and she threatens to kill Zara, much to Saru's dislike. Giorgio eventually lets Sarah, Zara go, and uh, they return to the ship, which cannot take off because of the ice, which is not your normal run-of-the-mill Icelandic ice, Ben, but alien yeah. ice that is kind of infectious and likes to grab onto things. So they're trying, they cannot escape, but the Discovery is pulled out of the ice by a tractor beam, that of the ship captained by Cleveland Booker, whom we met in the last episode. The ship hails them, and they are able to reunite with Michael, who tells them that she has been in the future for a year and has finally found them. So right away in the second episode, Ben, it is now 3189. We have jumped ahead a year already. I cannot tell you how pleased I am that this episode ended like that. Yes. Well, yeah, because you were like, I don't want the whole season to be like the search for the reuniting. No, God, no. They did it in the second episode. Yeah, perfect. Uh, what did you think of uh, Far From Home? No. Oh, hang on a minute. I, uh, sorry, I, th- I had some Leland on my shoes. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the most joyful thing about this, and some people, I, I think I've said before on the sh- uh, show that I try not to read ahead about all of the production information stuff on, on episodes of Star Trek because I like a little bit of, um, maybe not surprise because some stuff's pretty predictable, but the, the thing I deliberately avoided any mention of was whether or not uh, Philippa um, or evil Philippa yeah. made her way uh, into uh, into Discovery's um, time warp, and I was so delighted that she did. And the mm-hmm. main reason being that um, 
I've mentioned before that I uh, do the discovery books. I'll, I'll, I do tend to buy those. And those who've read the last one will know that it, it's a good example of what happens when Philippa and Tilly, yeah. so evil Philippa and regular Tilly, uh, get together and, and have adventures. Because they're a very unlikely pairing. Oh, that and, is true, yes. But you can tell that they share some writers between the show and the books because <laughs> the relationship that you see between them in the book, very evident in this episode. Yeah. Um, so the, the one woman tactical unit, uh, as she's referred to uh, during this episode, Philippa Giorgio is, is just fucking awesome. And yeah. we need her because you have the wildly idealistic um, uh, Burnham, who we know has got a you know, slightly dark side to it, perhaps, but she uh, she's also got a lot to prove uh, as a Starfleet officer. You've got Saru, who is painfully um, sort of on brand for yeah, Starfleet, but is also yeah, but is also kind of rediscovering himself a bit and mm-hmm. and what have you. So you've got all of that going on, but you need, as a result of that, um, you need somebody who's kind of badass and they mm-hmm. do not come more badass uh, certainly at commander level uh, than Philippa Georgiou mm-hmm. um, so I mean she's an excellent plot device first of all um, this ship needs this in a way that Star Trek has never really used that kind of dynamic before not yeah. not in a prolonged sense um, so I'm looking forward to particularly some of her arcs um, the, the episode itself um, it, it was so satisfying because it it felt very Trek. Yes, in a way that, um, again, perhaps a fair criticism we've not always had from uh, from Discovery so far. Uh, we, you know, we we got to meet some quite long forgotten. Uh, I think from the days of Enterprise uh, humanoid aliens. Mm-hmm. We, I, I, I tell you what, I was worried about. I did rather think that um, when our little space gangster turned up um in space they're just called a gangster yes uh, when he turned up <laughs> i was a bit concerned that we were going to end up with a um oh god what's this kite from uh, walking dead uh negan negan yeah i thought we might end up with a negan sort of character i you know he's somehow untouchable even though by logic he really shouldn't be yeah. he is uh you know it's like a pantomime bad guy and i i was so pleased that frankly he had his pants pulled down early doors Mm. i do find it um there are a lot of people suggesting that the fact that he was allowed to you know go out of the doors into the into the ice was them saying well well i think the problem is a lot of people are assuming that you know that that was a way of him definitely dying but without starfleet or or indeed our our new friends being um responsible for his death yes Uh, but i i don't buy it i mean he's clearly you know the rule if they don't die on screen they're not dead yep um so we are going to see him i hope they avoid the temptation to make him um uh, a negan character we need a better bad guy in star trek than that um, I fancy. Uh, I I have a feeling that if he were to return, some I don't know why, mm. uh, because I think they wanted to produce this sort of menacing uh, vibe about him. But I feel like if he shows up again, he's going to be more like a mud type character than yeah, that's, like well, that's a, what's like a pain in the ass. Well, mud needs. Sorry, this universe needs a mud because mm. I mean, mud would be in his element in uh, in this century because yes. you know the Orions aren't do not play with a uh, with a straight bat when it comes to trade we know that of their history mm-hmm. um you can see that there's a massive uh sort of lack of balance in in the universe certainly in presumably the alpha quadrant based on who we're encountering um so it, you know you can see you can see how a mud character would be good and probably better than rehabilitating the, the sort of ferengi um tropes of yeah. of, uh, of tng but i mean the joy of this episode, other than the fact that, as I say, it's astonishing. It wasn't just the effects that were done um, uh, remotely. It was also everything like the scoring was done remotely. The whole, mm-hmm. basically every part of post of this of this episode is right. If, if that's what they can pull off in those circumstances, whilst also the writing team and, and showrunners and production team are spread so thinly across this, um, Lower Decks, uh, Picard, the 
Nickelodeon show and um of course potentially the uh, uh what do you call it mm, the the pike era show yeah i don't um, remember what it's called either but no i can't remember but it, it, you know if everyone is pulled in all those different directions and they can produce two solid uh, and, uh, and this episode on its own probably also gets a, a fairly mediocre well above mediocre but not a huge score you put these two episodes together mm as a as a sort of two-part starter to you know the third false start for discovery um <laughs> then uh, wow this is a solid solid entry um some of the dialogue in here is fantastic i mean I- i'm now used to georges uh dialogue from the books and it's clearly written you know with the same character the same characterization in mind so yeah. you know her, her observation about ditching the enterprise um uh, as being an unbelievably shitty decision, uh, bureaucracy <laughs> is where fun goes to die. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I, I, oh, so many She's beautiful, so beautiful lines. Yeah, um, it's nice to see that again. We're not having a painful growth arc for uh, her relationship with uh, with the regular Starfleet crew. Yes, there is conflict there, mm-hmm. but there's not this sort of you know there's there's no long voyager-esque conversations about how they're going to fit together and and whatever else you know casting my mind back to janeway and um uh christ what was the first officer called what is going on with me today chakotay thank you um (laughs) yeah but there's there's none of that going on here there's there's just well we all know who we are and that ain't going to work so well but we're going to make it work in the same way saru is not you know, still having his existential crisis. In fact, he's turning into potentially a bit of a badass. It turns out, mm-hmm. um, he shot his, little... his head spikes. Yeah, he didn't. He. Um, uh, there are a couple of weird mysteries, like how does um, a uh, ray gun that immediately incinerates somebody slowly from the inside uh, in the next time it's shot at someone um, simply cause them to be slightly inconvenienced? I know Philippa is badass, but equally, it's got to be setting. It's got to be a settings thing, right? Yeah, which then begs the question. I suppose, he, well, he did say this is going to be slow, didn't he? Yeah. Although I think you'd only do two shots of that before you think, okay, no, this is going to be effective and just crank it up a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, yeah, there are some broad uh, uh, sort of routes taken with the story. A um, couple of mysteries set up. So we've got uh, the the mystery illness. What's wrong with her? What is wrong with her, Detmer? If, mm-hmm. if, if you're experiencing something more than a bit of a fuzzy... Um, uh, plug-in situation <laughs> yes then, it's not your cyborg in, it's not your cybernetic implants yeah go you need to speak up let's mm-hmm. find out what's going on with that um hugh and stamets didn't occupy the entire episode which i'm pleased about but at least we know where their relationship is now without that becoming a long and necessary um yes or, or less necessary arc um basically the, the point i'm making um with far too many examples is that there are so many hangovers from seasons one and two, some of which are going to be lost in the ether because we know there were false starts. We know there were changes in writing direction and so on. Um, and some of them are simply things that were established that yeah. with a, with a lazier writing team, dare I say, actually with the Picard writing team approach, what we could have ended up with is a whole third season of, of, um, uh, of exposition of the people that we're following mm-hmm. we don't need it we now are sufficiently familiar with the crew um you can see some beautiful relationships forming i'm, I'm not treading on the one that i know you want to talk about um <laughs> but you know all of all of the setup is pretty much there now yeah and we know what our big mysteries are i, I was left so buoyed up by the sum effect of episodes one and two that I'm I'm actually more excited about Star Trek Discovery now than I have ever been, mm-hmm. and I was and I must admit before I watched it, I was kind of worried about where we were going to go. Mm-hmm. I won't lie, Philippa is a big part of why I'm happy about where we're going. Uh, and if you haven't read the, uh, the the last of the Discovery books, the first one to feature um, her and Tilly having an adventure, go and read it because it, it is it's an absolute joy. The dialogue in it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love this episode. Uh, the I feel like everybody is definitely finding their groove, or they've already found it. And even with a character like Tilly, whom I love, I I've loved Tilly since the first season. But um, she definitely has an air of she's not as bright eyed 
anymore. Mm-hmm. She is a little more hardened to things. She says, she says, what the fuck? Well, she, she doesn't. She says, okay, what the f-? Yes, yeah. and then she stops herself, and Saru's like, thanks. Appreciate mm-hmm. appreciate you keeping your language under control. And uh, a bunch of old-timey Star Trek fans were like, finally, there's no swearing in the future. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, minus all the other previous examples. Uh, <laughs> outside of that... Uh, yeah, it's we got to talk about Tignataro's Jet Reno and her okay. her team up with uh, Paul Stamets. And I look uh, there. There's also a scene with Hugh in there uh, as well with all three of them, and it was great. Uh, but I loved every moment between uh, Jet and uh, and Stamets. Like they're they're also they're also very much kind of like an oil and water sort of thing, except Stamets isn't. Uh, it's it's different than than Giorgio and Tilly, but it's kind of similar vibes. Like they're they're different personalities. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jet Reno kind of reminds me. Like you've seen Galaxy Quest, Ben? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was. I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, yeah, she's sort of like similar to like Tony Shalhoub's character yeah, of just exactly. she is just here for it, and yeah. whatever happens, it happens, and she's just gonna she's just gonna roll with it. And Stamets is sarcastic as hell, but he is way more uptight about stuff and is not very good with letting people in. And, uh, like, Jet, she was hurt from the crash. Her back was jacked up. Uh, Stamets was injured, and he uh, just barely recovered. Uh, Probably shouldn't be doing a lot of labor-intensive work. And she's like, look, just get one of the other kids to come and do it. She's like, you're older, I'm older, we're both hurt. Like, let's Jensen just... Jensen has Matt. Yes. And Stamets is like, nah, I, I got it. And of course his stitches rip open and he's bleeding everywhere. Um, But yeah, I, look, I think my favorite line, like, <laughs> slash joke, is so good. I, I laugh so hard when she's just trying to encourage Stamets while he's in the Jeffries tube. It just says something along the lines of like, Go get him, Bobcat, or something. Some just some weird, like chuck on the shoulder, and they're all like, "What?" And he's like, "She's like, never mind. I'm I'm high." Or she's like, "I'm on drugs." Yeah, I'm on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> it was that was uh, it. Just leave it alone. I'm on drugs. Just forget what I said. <laughs> Loved it. Uh, God, that's such a great character. Uh, the thing is, her. her- I mean, she's she's not as well known uh, in the UK as she is in the US, mm-hmm. and um, or certainly in Canada. Um, I mean, she's 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 quite the the sort of polymath. I mean, she's um, yep. you know musician and uh, and comedian. Uh, actor, comedian, and everything else. And although I suspect she's going to become far better known when Army of the Dead eventually comes out, which yeah. God only knows when that will be. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you need a a comedian in that role mm-hmm. and um i was a again bit concerned because you look at who they are as characters um uh, uh, stamets and, and jet yeah much in the same way we've we've got a kind of double staffed sick bay and we've got a double staffed engineering and um that's either gonna work or not now in Sick bay not really turning out to be a problem because yes. our actual uh, chief medical officer seems to be basically absent. We know All that the there time. is one. Uh, I don't think like I kind of oh Christ I can't remember who I can't remember the name. Um, were they even introduced? But, I I feel like they I were. Think so. Yeah, yeah. We've we've heard the doctor's name. He'll come back to me. Um, I say when I remember it. Wait, I'm frantically looking at the same time. Um, the yeah, but then engineering with these two pretty big characters because Stamets is is quite the um uh quite the pompous arrogant bastard yep. but then so is she they've not gone for um you know one domineering character in the sort of again in the, maybe the the voyager mold um they've not gone with the quietly competent and just gets on with it stuff in in geordie um but equally they've not gone for the sort of ridiculous histrionics of of scotty they've got they've, it is a new creation now um this uh the the engineering team and mm-hmm. what a what a great pair and it's nice to see that stamets is going to have someone else to play off other than hugh um yes. 
and that he's going to have someone else to play off other than Stamets. So uh, I don't know. I wonder if the doubling up is deliberate in the sense that um, when they finished season two, they knew eventually, maybe halfway through it, but they knew that season three would be in this environment. And presumably they already had a reasonable um, plot outline. So we know that Burnham turns up in what is described as a very big ship um, we don't necessarily know that that's Book's ship, although it might be. I mean, it's been a year, could have been, it could have been. She's just, you know, borrowed one of Starfleet's future ships, who knows? Um, <laughs> she wouldn't have that much competition for one, would she, in, uh, in the future? Yes. Um, but whatever the crack is, she's in a big ship. They're in a slightly old-fashioned ship, but still a ship. Um, I wonder whether we're going to see a split of that crew across two different ships, potentially, and that's why we've got... Um, the doubling up in effectively what would be main cast because i noticed as well that if you look through the production information for the show you've got um jet and uh Giorgio are listed as uh, guests as opposed to main cast mm-hmm. um and you've got a few others who are down as recurring so you've got um aditya sahil is uh, recurring you've got adira is recurring you've got gray is recurring everyone else is squarely in main cast so I, I wonder a little bit oh that's my that's my washing machine playing a tune to me that's lovely isn't it um, <laughs> the future Ben it's the future uh, I do wonder whether we are going to see a, a little splitting off and again no bad thing because again they're trying to do new stuff here and with the exception I suppose of DS9 where you had DS9 plus um my brain is so so not functioning today. Uh, the Defiant, <laughs> yes, where you had the option to instead of little shuttlecraft missions, there was another whole thing, and that became more important towards the end of the the show's run. I wonder here whether they're going to say, well, yeah, I mean, Discovery would, I mean, it it car- it's currently carrying the largest amount of dilithium probably on one ship anywhere in the universe at the moment, and it's equipped with weapons from you know nine hundred plus years ago. Uh, this would be over very quickly. Um, I wonder whether we're going to need to see Discovery being um, the kind of not not quite a shuttlecraft, but mm-hmm. maybe that's the small beast here. Maybe that needs the protection of whatever the big ship is that Burnham's turned up in. Yes, um, and that would be a bit of a new dynamic. And again, very keen to see how that works. Yeah, I um, I don't know. I'm just uh, well, I, so. <laughs> <laughs> really? Are you going to go check on your your futuristic washing machine? Um, I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed <laughs> the episode, but um, I don't know. I'm still I still feel like I'm I'm resting on that. Like you know how we've got that thing with uh, on who made who, right? Our the the Chibnall index, I believe mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. it's called. And uh, I don't know. I'm. I'm feeling a little wary. Like I like this episode, but I'm I'm still feeling kind of reserved. I I did give it a four. I like this okay. episode more than the first episode, uh, and I loved. Obviously, I loved the interactions with Giorgio. I, I actually I really liked where kind of all of the crew was, and I like that they're uh, they're giving more of the rest of the bridge crew something to do. Yeah. Um, so this is all good. They felt like a crew, didn't they? For the they first did. time in this episode like the cheering of Detmer when they crash landed and mm-hmm. um, and all of the facial responses even Philippa's slight upturned corners of mouth when Burnham is seen on uh, yes. on the, the view screen I started to feel like we were getting a, a bridge crew here yes yeah I, I got that same feeling as well I think I'm still uh, maybe it was because uh, Star Trek Picard left me a little wanting mm-hmm. uh, I didn't get quite exactly what I was hoping to get out of that show and uh, the first two seasons of Discovery, while I've enjoyed them, also weren't exactly... I wasn't getting exactly what I wanted out of those shows either. But I, I'm feeling better about this season. But I'm maintaining my cautious optimism. But uh, it's teetering. It's teetering on pessimism, Ben. Uh, but I don't, really? I, I don't want it to fall. I don't want it to fall into pessimism entirely. So for now, we're remaining cautiously optimistic. I like the first two episodes. Willing to see where we keep going from here. The next episode has me uh, quite intrigued, actually, because it looks like they go back to Earth, and we might get a big ass exposition dump 
about it like does what we feel missed. like it doesn't it yeah, yeah it does feel like we're gonna get like a, here's everything you missed um you dr know, pollard sorry <laughs> is that the doctor I said I, I said I was looking it up dr pollard there we go i mean sure <laughs> uh, <laughs> never see, never see that you person. know dr pollard right yeah um, everybody loves him um, when's yeah. his when's his her his or her when when is their spinoff coming ben uh, I'm sure there is one coming down the pipeline. Tracy Pollard. Okay, so a her. Uh, she sounds presumably. like a character from Little Britain, doesn't she? Little that bit, was Vicky yeah. Pollard, wasn't it? Oh, no, we've actually seen her as well, so I've just looked her up in Memory Alpha. Oh, have uh, we? Okay. Yeah, we have. There she is. How lovely. Once she was assigned to deal with the case of um, uh, Klingon Fandango. Oh, yes. Okay. There you go. Whom we have <laughs> not seen. Are we going to never see him again? Is he done with the show? Or is he going to be in the Section 31 show? I suspect he's either going to be in the 31 show or in Picard or in... I suspect he might end up being a recurring guest in the Pike show. Yes, Star Trek, New Frontier, whatever. Something Trek space. Um, (laughs) Okay, so uh, what did you give uh, episode two, Ben? controversially i've given it 4.5 but that is when it is taken as being the concluding part of Of the mysterious part one yeah yes the mysterious part one um okay well i'm i mean i think we're both looking forward to where the show is going and the next episode directed by we've already talked about him once jonathan frakes uh commander Riker is going to be directing uh episode three so uh, honestly, I'm I'm pretty excited. Uh, I feel like we're going to get a lot of exposition, but um, it's I'm sure it's needed. I'll be pleasantly surprised if it's little, and we sort of just get like an update, uh, not on the not on the events that have occurred, but we just get more of a stage setting of uh, this is what we're in for type situation. My, my punt is episodic stage set. I don't think it's going to be a massive exposition dump, but yeah, I mean, because th- Earth think- has always been a paradise in Star Trek for the most part. So, well, it has, but I, I think one of the things they're going to want to do is avoid. Um, it, it, I think they set the tone for the fact they don't want to drag their heels through this, and so mm-hmm. yeah, returning to Earth sure makes sense. It's probably the first logical thing that they would do. Um, all of that makes sense. I don't think it's going to be a big. Here's everything that happened when you weren't watching thing because then what happens in the rest of the episode? I think the A plot has to be an A plot episodic plot because that's what people are now looking for in Discovery. Yeah. Um, if they make the A plot the exposition, people will very quickly start gnashing their teeth next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Um, okay, everybody. So that's the uh, the episode for this week. Head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show. And, of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search for I'm a Doctor, not a podcast. Hit subscribe. And that way you can come back next time to hear us talk about more Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 3, called People of Earth. <laughs>